0: My name is Mike Michalowicz, this is my newest book. Get different, go get, get, get different. Get, get, go, get different. Get, get, go, get different. For The last seven years I've been researching and compiling this information on what makes marketing effective. Marketing that's not ignored, marketing that's received and converts to business. And I believe that small business needs to market accordingly. You see, if you offer something better something of more value, if you care more for your customers, if you're better in some capacity in some way than your competition, you have a responsibility to market accordingly. And I hope this is the system that serves you in doing that. I believe in nothing more than small business. And it is our turn, our time to rally and market what you do because the world is starving for you. If you wanna pick up your copy of Get Different, go to the website, gogetdifferent.com You've responsibly to market accordingly. I hope this serves you. Wishing you tremendous success.
1: And in my mind, I think you can look at it a little bit different way that will allow people to blast away their debt in three to five years max and get rid of the compound interest working against you and then start on the compound interest working for you much faster.
0: You know, so you learn some things traveling. Uh, and I've been on more planes in the last. Couple months, and I have since COVID. Uh, It's consecutive, and uh, sitting for long periods of time is painful. But anything that puts a a, even a light pressure for a consistent period of time starts hurting. So for me, the masks. Yeah. I got my mask in my pocket. This mask, it starts it starts hurting, and then headphones that keep the pressure on my ears start aching. So now I've moved to earbuds, and what I do with the earbuds is instead of having this wrapped behind my ear, I have it wrapped right at the bud point. Oh, and the buds will still stay? That's and they impressive. still stay, yeah. But even the buds, my last two flights combined was about six hours in the air. So buds in for six hours. At a certain point, like those start getting uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't think there's anything that's comfortable. No. That's yeah. the uh, the
2: bud point method, Mike. The, the bud next point next... method. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to write a book
0: the, about it. The bud point method. Are you feeling pain? <laughs> Just play with the bud point. <laughs> 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 that's yeah. funny the second you add the word method behind something it does give it a and a sense of um of significance and an impactfulness and and and, and, and science a, science a sense of yes, science, science. It, right? i was going
3: to say it's above board all of a sudden yeah oh not amy with a drinking problem i literally just saw your login name mr mackallowitz yeah my login
0: name says i'm not amy
3: with a drinking problem <laughs> it's funny
0: like if i add the word method there it would change everything i'm not amy with a <laughs> drinking problem method oh
3: oh this looks like an informative site. Let's let's listen in.
0: What's the method? <laughs> oh, I like to eat donuts. You method? Do? No,
3: yeah. no,
0: I like the donut
3: eating method. method. Exactly. Oh, you know, I every, love that.
2: Here's the other thing that it does: when you add method to something, it makes you think that the former is an acronym. So, like, if you're like, "Oh, it's the donut method," then you're like, "Okay, yeah. What does that stand for? What's what do you got? No, who
0: it? does that mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the de- do odd <laughs> determination." Uh exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, so in this interview, I interview Adam Carroll. He is the author um and the creator of the shred method, hence why we're playing around with method. I find it to be the most unique approach to eradicating debt. Um, I, I just never even considered this, and it's a little bit heady. So as you go into this interview, grab your notebook. Um, you'll definitely want to take notes. But he has a way that he purports, and I I don't see why it wouldn't work, to be extremely effective in eradicating debt extremely fast. So listen on in. We figured out the cure to podcast problems. Just reboot everything.
1: That's right. Yeah. Switch things around. Get different. See what happens.
0: Reboot the entire internet. (laughs) So uh, I'm going to prep you for the podcast even though we're recording the podcast. So we're in the podcast. So that's the prep. We're
1: in it. Nice.
0: What Adam? What got you into like personal finance? Like, wh- why you? Why this? Why today?
1: Why, why this? I. Why this? Is a great question. I graduated from the University of Northern Iowa. Go Panthers! Anyone? Awesome. <laughs> right. There we go. And um, when I graduated, I had twenty several thousand dollars in student loans. I had eight thousand dollars in credit card debt. Um, and it and it occurred to me. No one had really prepared me for the decisions I was going to make. And so I went through my turbulent 20s, as most people do. And then I started realizing that there were very simple things that you could do to better put yourself in a financial position that people are are striving to be in, in their 30s and 40s, but you could do it in your 20s if you knew this stuff, or teens for that matter. And so I started speaking on college campuses all about student loan debt and how to win the money game, the game that we all play with money on any given day. And um, just things slowly became more and more clear to me, Mike. And um, I wanted to teach people that in a really fun and interesting way. And so for the last 15, almost 20 years now, that's what I've been doing and just keep getting better and layer on more and more knowledge and information and skill sets and secrets candidly um, that, I, that I love to teach to other people.
0: What's the biggest source of debt? Is it college loans? You mentioned that was one for you.
1: It, it is. I think today it is. Um, you know, it's the second largest category of debt there is in the United States, anyway. Um, I think we're pushing almost one point eight trillion dollars in student loan debt. It is second only to mortgage debt, which you could say is, you know, is "quote unquote" good debt, according to the mm-hmm. experts. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I think that the student loan debt. By and large, becomes the the chain that that holds people down. And um, candidly, Mike, my, my daughter is getting ready to go off to college here in a few weeks. Northern Iowa. Is she going she to? Omaha? Unfortunately, no. She's going to Iowa State University, the other mm. you know top ranked state. You know, it's not the Harvard of Iowa, but we'll call it the Cornell of Iowa. And um, so I, I I got her financial aid package the other day. And we have done a fairly effective job of saving in a 529 plan and planning for for what college cost would be. But for those who are uninitiated, when I went through the financial aid package, it was kind of staggering to me the the minimal amount of detail and information that's given to parents where my daughter would be able to take on $6,500 a year in loans, but they offered a parent plus loan at. $12,000 $12,000 a year for, or actually it was closer to $15,000 a year for four years, you know, putting parents at 60 grand in debt. And again, for the, those uninitiated, they would do it because they really want junior to go to their dream school. Um, and I think that's part of the problem. We're just largely uneducated about how it happens and then what the ramifications are on the back end.
0: You mentioned good debt, bad debt. You said, you know, the experts call mortgages, I think it was good debt. Yeah. Do you believe that there's such things as good debt, bad debt?
1: I think there is a there is a way of looking at debt that is positive. It could be good debt, and I think to classify debt as good or bad, I would also have to classify it as is it generating income or not. And some people would say, well, your mortgage doesn't doesn't generate income. I think Robert Kiyosaki was probably one of the, the loudest pontificators of saying that your house is a liability; it's not an asset. Mm-hmm. And and I would tend to agree with that. It is a liability. Money, money does go into the house every month. But I also have a different take on mortgages and home ownership than most do. And, and I fully believe in blasting away a mortgage as fast as possible and then redeploying that debt in unique ways that generate passive income. And I think that um, you know, for the majority of people out there, again, listening to the pundits, they'll say, well, you should dollar cost average, and you know over time you'll get to compound interest, and then you know that's the winning uh, formula. And in my mind, I think you can look at it a little bit different way that will allow people to blast away their debt in three to five years max, and get rid of the compound interest working against you, and then start on the compound interest working for you much faster. Um, and in, in my world in the last 10 years, we've done that again and again, and shown hundreds of people how to do it with unbelievable results. That, that's your shred method, right? It is.
0: Yeah. So I, I want to explore that, but we're going to do more of a cliffhanger. We're going to get our listeners really jazzed up here. So when it comes to a mortgage, I was talking to my, I have a, uh, wealth manager and he, he, there's poetic license when using the word wealth, just to give us some context. Right. And, uh, he goes, uh, you know, the mortgage right now, the interest rates are so low. One point something percent is what we're paying. And we have a 15 year. And he goes, uh, don't, he goes, don't pay that off fast. I'm paying it fast. And he goes, those dollars should go into the market because you'll make more money there. And so the logic's there. His name's yep. Ron. I said, but Ron, you understand. There is a sense of fear in me that I still owe for this house. That I don't own it yet. And when I own it, it may mitigate that. So I am paying this off quickly because I want to have the entire asset under my control. It's a fear mitigation. What's the better approach? I mean, there's logic versus emotion here. What's your sense?
1: It is logic versus emotion um, because I've had financial advisors tell me, oh, it's silly. It should be in the market. What are you doing? Most of them, candidly, Mike, they're telling me, you should dollar cost average. You should put in, and I'm trying to do the math constantly to see which one pencils out. But but if someone's putting $500 or $1,000 in the market every single month, month in, month out, at the end of the year, you've put in 12,000, let's say if it's 1,000 a month, and if it's earned 8%, you've earned $1,000 on it, right? right? The reality is that if you took twelve an extra $1,000, which using the shred method would turn into somewhere between 1,500 and 1,700 a month towards your mortgage, what you would do is you would shift from, let's say, payment number 360 on a mortgage, if you have just refinanced, and you might shred it back down to payment 275. So if you eliminated sixty or how's my math on that, 75 payments, 85 payments, mm-hmm. at even a $1,000 a payment, you've saved $85,000 worth of payments in the, the amortization schedule of that mortgage. And so Even when you put the numbers together, I believe the Shred Method is a much more efficient and economically wise way of going about building wealth. Um, I want to touch really quickly on the emotional side because I agree with you. I think there are folks out there that they just want to be debt free. They want no payments. And when you get to that point, it does create a psychological safety that folks who, who have never been there can't really understand yet. Um, furthermore, you know, if if you look at, do a Google search on how many people won't have enough money to retire, the numbers are crazy. It's like 60 or 70% of the American public won't have enough money to retire. And yet what they're doing is they're calculating in what are your current expenses in addition to that. And if you eradicate your mortgage five years in three years in, and you have decades of, uh, income ownership, allowing you to build real wealth, it actually becomes easier and easier to retire, and so for me, I, you know, the reason I do it, and, and candidly, the folks that I think this appeals to, are those who have more of an emotional tie to. I just want to be done because I want to feel free.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love how you're you're kind of introducing this concept of it's not just the inflow of cash; it's the outflow. Yeah. So, uh, so let's dig into the shred method. Uh, I love the phrasing, by the way. <laughs> it's really appealing. So, so tell me what what's the basic framework of the shred method.
1: The shred method, uh, and you'll love this marketing angle too. I I always tell people, wouldn't it be great if we could use the bank's money against itself? That's good. And drive around, Mike, anywhere, remind me again, where are you located? I'm in uh,
0: New Jersey, right outside New York City.
1: New Jersey. Okay, so drive five miles radius around your home. How many banks or credit unions do you think you're going to find?
0: Oh, a five mile radius, there's probably a dozen minimally.
1: Minimally, right? Uh, within a mile of my house, there's at least 10. And so when I when I start driving around my neighborhood and I see all these banks and I think, what an amazing business model they have. All they're doing really is holding our money and lending our money out. Yeah, They're not really selling anything other than debt. And yet debt is a very, very useful tool for a lot of people. And clearly it's profitable because they're building massive, massive structures right. where I'm at. Seemingly, on, a, on an every six-month basis, they're opening a new branch. And I know enough to know that it takes probably three years for the branches to actually be profitable. So they're willing to take the gamble on us acquiring debt that they can build these, these big buildings. Mm-hmm. So I started thinking, what, what if we could use the bank's money against itself? And effectively, at a very high level, what we're doing is we are arbitraging simple interest against compound interest. And, and I, can, I can define this in a number of different ways, but ultimately your mortgage, your student loans, your credit cards are all compound interest vehicles.
0: Okay.
1: And the, the tool that we use most commonly is a home equity line of credit. Mm-hmm. Um, it could also be a personal line of credit, a PLOC or a lock, a business line of credit. But a line of credit is, is essential to what we're doing. And the reason that, that this is so powerful is the line of credit is a simple interest vehicle. So you are only charged interest on the average daily balance of whatever you've borrowed. Okay. So what we're doing with with the line of credit is we are shifting our normal checking account to the HELOC. So instead of money cycling through checking, we're actually going to cycle our money through the home equity line of credit. And when we do that, what we're doing is we're borrowing money from the HELOC, putting it against compound interest debts like our vehicle and our student loans and our mortgage. And because our income is cycling through there every two weeks or every month, our average daily balance is kept at a, a, at a minimum. So on average, I tell people, listen, you're going to have somewhere between $1,000 and 20000 on your home equity line of credit, depending on your appetite for debt. And when you do that, you will blast away all of those debts that you have been paying on month after month after month, like your credit cards and student loans and car loans and mortgage."
0: So let's go through an uh, example, because uh, yep. I don't know if everyone gets this. I'm asking for a friend. Um, yeah, totally, <laughs> Mike. Um, So say I have $20,000 of credit card debt. Yep. Uh, I own a house. Uh, the credit card loan, or is interest rate 17% or 24%, basically mafia. Yeah. And uh, my home, uh, I can get a home lo- a loan against the house is basically as the asset. Is that what I'm hearing? Yep, yep. And say I can get that for say three percent. So three right. Now I have these two set up. What do I do now to get rid of that credit card debt?
1: Right. So let's go through the numbers really quick. So your listeners get the the math on this. 20,000, I think, is what you said in credit card debt. If that's at 17%, which I mean, let's be honest, is probably average to on the low side of what most people's credit cards are. So I'll say
0: twenty percent, because I can get some round numbers
1: here. Say it's so 20%. What that means is every single year that's costing $4,000 in interest. Okay. Simple math, 20,000 times 20% is four grand. So if you divide that by 12, that's $333 a month and 33 cents that is being paid in interest on that $20,000. Uh, I believe most credit cards today are about a, somewhere between two and 4% on a minimum payment. So bare minimum, Mike, someone's probably spending $450 to $500 a month on a payment to their credit card but know full well that $333 of that 500 goes away like that because it's just an interest payment.
0: Okay, so okay. that's interesting. So let, let me just be sure I'm clear on this. So that 333, that's just, that's just paying a service the debt, but you take that five, four or 5% number, you multiply it by the total loan, 20,000. Yep. it's 5%, that's 1,000, uh, if I got that right. So yep. now I'm saying basically I have to pay minimally almost upwards of $1,000 a month or whatever, that percentage is. Did I run the numbers
1: right? You ran the numbers right. Okay. And what happens is with the shred method, what we would do is say, based on your, it's it's based on a number of factors, your income, your overall expenses, which gives you your discretionary money, what's left over, and what your appetite for debt on that home equity line of credit is, as well as whatever your minute, what your balance or your excuse me, your limit is on that that HELOC. Mm-hmm. So for most individuals, I tell them you want to go get a HELOC that is around 150% of whatever your monthly take-home pay is. So if you're bringing home five grand a month, you need a $7,500 to $10,000 home equity line of credit to really make the shred method work. Okay. What then will happen is the system, the software, all the logic and, and uh, algorithms behind this will calculate how much do you need to send to that credit card on a biweekly or monthly basis in order to blast away that debt in record time. Okay. And what will likely happen, Mike, is the system will say, Hey, at first blush, let's send 8,000. I'm making these numbers up but $8,756 to the credit card on day one. And what we do when we do that is we, number one, we eliminate that much of the debt that was sitting on the card at 20% interest, which right away is saving you around $1,600 a year in interest. Just like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because your income is cycling through the HELOC, the average daily balance is going to get brought down with every single paycheck. So it may be eight grand now, it might be four grand when you get paid or seven grand or whatever your number is.
0: Okay, so let me make sure I understand this component. So if I get paid, does my check get deposited straight into the HELOC?
1: Or? That's exactly right.
0: Really? I, I would just call my payroll company and say, deposit to this account, which is a HELOC. Yep, that's
1: it. Interesting. Okay. that's it. And it's treated as a principal payment, which again, limits our average daily balance on the HELOC, thereby limiting the amount of interest we pay on that amount. Now, just for, for number's sake here, let's say it was $8,000 on that HELOC. And I think you mentioned four and a half percent, which is a kind of a going rate. What do you suppose the monthly interest amount on that $8,000 is? the monthly interest paid.
0: Interest rate at 4%. Uh, I'm just going to pick a random number, $100.
1: It's $30 a month.
0: Mike, that's shockingly low compared to what I expected. And I thought $100 was low, actually.
1: Right. So here's the question that I ask people all the time. If 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 I said, Mike, I'm going to loan you $100 and I'm going to charge you $5 in interest to, to borrow the money from me, but on the back end of this money, the $100 that you're borrowing is going to save you $2,000 in interest. Yeah. Would you do that deal? Yeah. All day, right? All day, yeah. every day. Yeah. This is what we're doing. We're borrowing money at simple interest, $5, to borrow 100 to save thousands on the back end.
0: And what's you know, so interesting, this is really fascinating. So what's interesting is, you know I was running in the numbers in the back of my head. If I'm paying $30 for $8,000, but the credit card was $20,000 and I'm paying three hundred thirty-three dollars Well, 8,000 times three is 24,000. So I then took the 30 times three. I guess like, that's 90. It's $90. That's actually high. Maybe it's more like $70 versus 333. You can see the interest difference is dramatic. And yeah. So if I do this, how do I start? Like, how do I buy groceries? I I, I had a paycheck coming to my bank account. Now it's all in the HELOC.
1: Great question. So one thing I will tell you is this system, the shred method itself, is great for folks who have who have more money at the end of their month, not who have more month at the end of their money. Oh, so if if someone is, if you've got business owners that they're they're living paycheck to paycheck as it is, and maybe they're dipping into their credit card to fund some of the lifestyle things, I, I tell them, push the pause button, don't do this yet. But if you're someone who's got a hundred, two hundred, five hundred, five thousand dollars extra a month. And right now you're just feeding into an emergency fund or you're yeah, creating yeah, yeah. a bunch of savings accounts. And and by the way, I am a firm believer in profit first and the entire model behind profit first. Thank you, brother. So this system works when you're using profit first. Yeah, yeah. In fact, it works exceptionally well. Yeah. Um so in answer to your question about groceries and gas and all the the incidentals, one of the magical uh benefits that comes from using this is we realized early on that if we use a credit card for groceries and gas and incidentals and we paid it off at the end of every month using the HELOC, we could get bonus miles, points, cash back galore, um, which allow my wife and I to take really nice vacations every year. And yet we pay no interest on the credit cards because they're just a spending tool for us.
0: Yeah, that's actually, that's, that's fascinating. So are you, paying all or most your bills through the HELOC effectively because you're just everything's on the credit card
1: now? All of them. All of them. We have, I think we have two bills that will not accept a credit card as a payment that we have to do as an automated bill pay through our, our bank. Um, but everything else goes through a credit card. And in fact, we're, we're pretty religious about using that credit card, not only for, for incidentals, for groceries, gas and the like, um, but also bigger ticket items knowing that we're just going to pay it off right away. And candidly, Mike, we use it as a budgeting tool. So whereas, you know, what most people would do is they'd look at their checking account balance and they'd say, Oh, we're getting low. We need to stop spending. Right. We look at our credit card balance and go, okay, we're at about 2,500. Um, you know, we have up to about 3,500 this month. Maybe we should slow down or. We need to- do
0: you, okay. So you should use as a cap. Do you, that's, that's actually interesting. Do you, uh, Call the credit. So I, my credit card company called me like two days ago. It's so like, congratulations, right? Email me. Your credit line's been increased. Yeah. Well, I'm like, I don't want my credit line increased. They're like, you don't? I'm like, <laughs> right. no, I don't need it. I don't want it. Right. <laughs> do it.
1: Right. Um, you cap your credit limit? Should you? Well, that's you what's in coming? that's what's interesting about this. Um, and it kind of depends on what your goals are. If your goal is to have a really high credit score. Then, candidly, no, you wouldn't cap your your credit limit because the higher the limit they're offering you, um, obviously, the more room you have on your available credit utilization percentage, which is a component of your credit score. In my world, I really don't care what my score is because I rarely need credit. I'm not I'm not buying cars on credit. We're writing a check out of our HELOC for our vehicles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the reason we do that is you could buy a thirty thousand dollar car on a HELOC, and at four and a half percent your payment on a monthly basis might be a hundred bucks. So, so one of the things that we're really striving to do is keep our monthly bills as lean as possible. Yeah. And the reason you do that is because when you have a surplus of discretionary, that surplus of discretionary is going to either blast away debt or build equity somewhere else that allows you then to invest in massive numbers, not those, you know, the small dollar cost average amounts.
0: So to do the shred method, clearly, you you need to own a property.
1: Yes, you do. It it behooves the user to have a property because of the speed at which they can pay off that property and create equity. Um, I will say that there's a number of people who are using the shred method on student loan debt. And in fact, this is one of the ways that I'm trying to get different is I'm going after the six-figure student loan borrowers who truly believe they're going to die with this debt. And there is a massive number number of them out there. And I'm saying to them, listen, debt sucks. Shred it. Just make a decision and go after it. Um, You know, instead of playing this kick the can down the road game that most people are doing, and they're going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in interest along the way, and they're going to be emotionally devastated by the, the entire process better to like, let's go at this thing, like an Olympic sprinter, you know, let's, let's just nail it.
0: I like that, that your, your direction is, is, is it except you got a debt and then crush it. And then the shred method itself sounds like this is just a really unique, I haven't heard of this strategy before. It's a really unique approach or tool to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, what if I don't have access to a HELOC or something like that? Is, are yep. there other ways to crush debt when I have debt
1: yeah, for sure. Um, you know, part of the part of the the algorithm behind this would be either using the debt avalanche or the debt snowball method, which most people have heard of. You know, it's where you go after either the highest interest rate or the the lowest balanced debt, yeah. depending on what you want to accomplish first. Um, you know, the other way to use the shred method, if you didn't have a HELOC, is we do have a, a kind of a toggle switch within the software that if you have an emergency fund, you have a savings account set aside, that money actually can be used as part of the shred method. That's the accelerator account. My only caveat with that is I like to let people know that that while I'm all about shredding debt and making sure that, that we're as efficient as possible, I also want to make sure people are protected. So if there is an, a, a catastrophic event that costs them a fortune, they lose their job, they lose their income stream. We want to make sure they can weather that. And that's part of the reason that I prefer the HELOC, because equity in your home is is a wonderful thing when you can tap it when you need it. Um, It's not a good thing if you can't access it. And so, you know, whenever we bring someone on uh, to, to use the shred method or shred my mortgage, which is the software, I like to educate and inform them about, you know, what is the plan what do you have for an income plan? Is the income consistent? What happens if that goes away? Like, let's look at contingencies to make sure that we're not just doing this and then the other shoe falls, and you're left, uh, you know, frustrated and maybe in a worse situation financially.
0: I'm curious just about the the overall. It seems like growing debt, not just government, but societally. Like, it seems like yeah. more and more, at least as a U.S. perspective, but more and more people have debt. Is there a reason why? We're getting into this in the first place. So we, so if you're in debt, you need the shred method or some method to get out of it. Yeah. But maybe not getting into debt in the first place. I'm just curious, why are so many people getting into debt?
1: Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. Number one, we are raised in a banker's business model. Um, you know, We've been taught it from from the time we were young. Our parents modeled it for us. If you need to buy something like a vehicle or a home or appliances or whatever it may be, a, a, a college education, you borrow. And people make it very, very easy to borrow money because it's a very lucrative industry, as we talked about before. So I think number one, we have to realize that that debt actually is what powers our economy. Mm. Um, there was some statistic recently I saw that said that if you had taken out all of the money that the government has printed. And has created debt around our gross domestic product. Actually, would be decreasing by two or three percent per year.
0: Interesting.
1: So, so debt is actually absolutely necessary and essential for the growth of our economy, because debt is used to build companies and build, you know, build properties and and, and all of that. Um, the, the downside is it's also being used to buy jet skis and and you know doodads and all these things that in all reality they they're not necess- they're probably adding to someone's life but they're also adding to that person's debt load and stress level and and so on and so forth so in in my household this is one mindset shift we've made mike <clears throat> and it's basically that while debt is normal natural and good for most people in our household debt is only good when it's being used to generate income mhm and when I try and, and infuse that message into my kids' world, what I realize is they they start looking at investments differently. They look at debt differently. They're definitely looking at student loans differently. Um, and each of them has said, "I my goal is to leave school with no debt mm-hmm. and to have more money in the bank than I did when I started. Um, that's a mindset thing. and And I think that some families maybe need to check the mindset of I'll always have car loans. All will always have a mortgage. We'll always have credit card debt because that is just, that is something that we've accepted, but it doesn't have to be your truth.
0: And I'm, yeah, I love that. And I, I, it is perpetuated in the media, you know, because it's all about accumulation stuff. You can have the doodads. Yep. As you pointed out, what about, um, uh, Oh my God, the question just slipped my mind. I was just thinking about my own son and some of the challenges he's facing. Um, oh, what about learning good fiscal management, particularly, uh, I guess this applies to any age set. You could be struggling now. Um, there's methods to recover, but is there methods to establish a good mindset going forward?
1: There, is. there theres is. I'm sure there are a number of of great methods to, to pursue to do this. I think Number one, and this is something that we started with our kids years ago, is are you formulating the right habits Mm -hmm. that will create wealth in the future? And you, you, I think, half joked on the front end that wealth, there's some poetic license behind wealth advisory. (laughs) Um, But I, I really maintain that wealth is a measure of time and that wealthy folks, if their income stopped tomorrow, they would be able to live their current lifestyle into perpetuity. Yeah. And so for us, you know, growing up um, in a household where wealth wasn't talked about like that, it was more like, oh, they're wealthy and we're not or or negative, right? Yeah, yeah. That's safe for the wealthy folk, you know, wealthy people shop there, those kind of sentiments. Mm -hmm. In my mind, wealth is really just a a measure of time. And so if you looked at your net worth, are you 10 years wealthy? Are you 20 years wealthy? Are you 30 years Mm. wealthy? And how much time do you have left on this earth? And when that number supersedes how much time you have left, then essentially you are financially free. You can stop working should you choose to, living out the current lifestyle that you're in and be able to live forever. So I think for for young kids today, the habits of the wealthy are things like having a long term outlook, that when you set money aside today or you pay down debt today, you're doing that for future you. You're not necessarily doing that for present you. That's for future you. And the future you may be five years out, 10 years out, 30 years out, 50 years out. Um, it may be for future generations. I mean, I feel like right now, what my wife and I are planning is what will our grandchildren and great-grandchildren inherit um, in, in the grand scheme of things? And that might be mindset. It might be money. It might be assets. Mm-hmm. But what they're inheriting from us really ought to be, at the core, the message and the habits that, that wealthy people do. One of the other ones is, Um, you know, understanding that that education is great. But Jim Rohn said it best, formal education will make you a living and self education will make you a fortune. So we're encouraging people to read uh, people being my kids and and others in my tribe, to read the books that are behind you on your shelf, and read all the financial uh, literacy books that, that are recommended on my site. Because ultimately, you know, when you read those books, and you put into practice what they're talking about, your life becomes infinitely better five years, 10 years, 30 years down the road.
0: Yeah. There's that saying, we, we are what we consume. We are, we are what we eat, right? You think from a dietary perspective, but what about the consumption of knowledge? Because we are the knowledge input we eat.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. As Carol,
0: the creator of the shred method, where can our listeners dive deeper into this subject with you?
1: The best, honestly, the best place to go, Mike, is the ShredMethod.com And because of the nature of the 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 material, the training, the method itself, there's a fairly extensive training video that's that's available for free right on that site. And I encourage your listeners to take some time and, and go through it. It will challenge your current mindset. Um, but the folks who have who have come who've crossed over, if you will, and I tell them it's a lot like the Matrix. You know, I show them like, Do you want the blue pill or the red pill? <laughs> right. And no, when you take this pill, you can never go back to the yeah, old one. Yeah, yeah, you'll realize what's possible. Um, but go to the and, and all the details are are right there. Black and white.
0: Fantastic. Thanks for sharing such an interesting and different perspective. I really appreciate this, Adam.
1: Good seeing you. My pleasure. You too, Mike.
0: So I learned a lot of new acronyms. He lock, she lock, we lock. Would you want to lock too? <laughs> but the first time he said lock, like I, I had a process in my head. He's like, Oh, I can't remember. What it was like the M lock. I'm like, what the hell is lock? I'm like a oh, line of credit. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was a little slow. I was a little slow.
3: <sighs>
0: I really I find it interesting. I will tell you this. The the core premise that I heard was you, you got to be more profitable. You got to make more money than you spend. Like he's not saying anything but that. But when you're in the position when you're making more money than you're spending, you can then use these instruments, these different lines of credit to wipe out your historical debt. So fast, yeah. I think it does require some discipline, that makes me nervous if I'm disciplined enough to do
3: it. Yeah, yeah. It made me curious. I like. I got to pick up this. I got to pick up this book and this method and and yeah. and read. But I found it to be so hopeful. I mean, I'm thinking about all of these kids, oh, this gosh. amount of college debt, and how what's their way out? What is their way out? How are they going to? Do, do you guys this? think
0: out a line of credit for for Will and?
3: Uh, I'm no, it. I'm still going, Go
2: ahead, I'm still paying off my student loans.
0: Yeah, And I have a... how, how much, you, how much did you start off with and how quickly is it going away or not?
2: The total when I graduated was around 52, I think 50, 52 to 55. And then yeah. immediately it was 6.8% interest rate. Um, so my payments were about $500 a month. And I think in total I've paid around seventy five thousand at this point or something like that. Yeah, which which I think is it's just wrong. Like if if oh yeah, because the, here here you go to the registrar's office or the bursar's office one of, one of them, and they're like, um, all right, do you have enough money to pay for this semester in full? And you're like, no. And they're like okay, fill this out. Okay. No problem. Yeah, sure. yeah. Um, and it's not. It wasn't like at least when I went, it wasn't like a. Any other loan that you would get where there's a statement of interest and the terms and everything. It was just like,
3: and they show you what you're paying over yeah, that period of time.
2: And here, here, you're like, okay, yeah, well, there's no other way that I can afford this. Um, and then six months after you graduate, your bill comes due and it's like, um, okay, th- yeah, there's n- no way I can afford $500 a month. Like,
0: what is going yeah. on? Oh, no
1: way.
0: Yeah. And you know what? It, to me, because what, what does the college degree do for you? At the end of the day, Almost nothing nowadays.
3: For Unless you're certain. going into a very specific field, like say right. you're going into science or medicine, obviously you need that, you need that particular right. Could you education. you imagine doctor,
0: she's like, oh, I, I decided to skip college. I just yeah. want to go right into heart surgery. Yeah. Yeah, I get it.
3: But the people who are doing whatever. Uh, everything else. Yeah, just about everything you, else. You learn on the
0: job. Like Jeremy, you didn't go through podcast training over yeah. at Rowan. Yeah. No, nope. right? Here is what
2: this is really funny, though. So Rowan had a great program for uh, business and entrepreneurship when I went there. They still do. Um, They've been expanding on. But it was one of the few in the country that was actually affordable. And uh, so everybody was like, that's a worthless degree. Don't get that degree because you don't specialize in anything. It's just like, you know, a little bit about everything. Right. And um, it's not a worthless degree, but it is true. Like employers do want to see very, very specific, um, uh, you know, what sort
3: skill of skill sets and yeah. Well,
2: just finances. like a direction when when you're taking yeah, it's better, like yeah. Load, like load up on marketing instead of just doing like marketing and accounting and all this other stuff. Um, but then the the icing on the cake was so graduating with that degree, as soon as the market crashed in two thousand and eight and it was just like wow, okay. So pretty much I just spent uh, you know, fifty five thousand dollars for nothing right now. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, I had to go and in back into the food industry because there was I didn't have a choice. I couldn't get a job with my uh, my degree.
0: With your degree, yeah, yeah, and, and the only employer that cares is the first employer says, "Oh, you were in this course." But the, the second employer is like, "Oh, who was your prior employer?" Like, it, it only matters to that first job. Yeah. Um, and the last thing I want to share about before we go back to Adam the, the, about um, student debt and so forth. Could you imagine if you walked into that administrative office, Jeremy and and it's like a car salesman. They say, listen, you want a car? Great. We'll get you a car. Uh, we'll, the payments are $500 a month. Here's the deal. Your car will have no engine. Uh, there's no wheels. It looks great, but it will not move you forward.
3: You make yeah. um Yeah. But that, that's what the college
0: degree is it looks okay. great, but it won't move you forward.
3: But we have we have these kids convinced that they need to go to college in order to. Yeah, get or do we, have, yeah, do, do we have anything.
0: our kids convinced or do we have ourselves convinced as
3: a parent? Somebody convinced somebody. And I think I was definitely in on the whole convincing thing. Yeah, I was I was definitely thinking that this was the path it had to be my path, had to be my kid's path. And
2: yeah, Here, here's the thing that I go back to, though, I debate. And I, I rewind and I think, was it worth it? A lot of things would have changed in my life. I wouldn't have met you, first of all. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. You know, like
0: like things like that, that you can't, how do you, how do you put yeah. No, you're right. There's these intangibles. Right. True. It's funny. I think we can look back at turning moments in our life. My, my, I, I was writing about this actually. The greatest lesson I got in college was actually playing sports. It was, I remember this one specific event, which is, it's irrelevant, but I learned something. Significance always stuck with me about the power of mindset and so forth. Um, and I think to your point, Jeremy, some of those things wouldn't present themselves if you didn't go through the college experience. Because I also know kids, there's some kids from our high school, Amy, that didn't go to college um, who went right to work. Right. And uh, they, the, the folks I'm still in contact with, went into either some of them went to trades, one became an entrepreneur, but they all um, got into a routine where they went through their Monday through Friday and there was no exploration. I think one great thing about college was just me, a diverse set of people yeah. and the opportunity to explore and learn about different things. Yeah. So it kind of opened my mind and exposed me to things that I wouldn't have been exposed to. I think that's yeah, one of the advantages.
3: True for me yeah. too. And I wonder, are those up op- where those opportunities available elsewhere? Would I have for a more reasonable price, you know, not yeah. necessarily a classroom, not necessarily a college, you know, classroom. But um, would I have would I have sought them out if I wasn't, you know, really literally directed there by my class schedule that semester? Yeah, it's hard to tell.
0: Interesting, interesting. So that's our uh, overview of Adam Carroll's presentation. Uh, no, so w- w- any other thoughts on Adam Carroll? Uh, on this system I mean, it's pretty cut and dry in how you do it. It doesn't mean it's easy.
3: It's crazy that I've never heard of this before and it seems like like you said Mike like yeah this should work. This should this should totally it work. It
0: basically it's like you're trading interest rates from high interest rates to low interest rate. Right. Um Do you know that I didn't more... know
3: that you could even deposit your paycheck into your HELOC? Yeah, I thought account, that was though. cool. Re- yeah. Like I never even thought of that and that is why I'm not good with the money. <laughs> I don't. I don't have these. These things don't occur to me. And that's why I, I always think
0: of the money. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I think of debt, I think of just credit card debt. But you yeah. know, he was talking about this whole vat of different yeah. forms of debt. And what he paid off his house, what twice, same house twice, right? By using the he pays it off, he locks it. Yeah. pays it off again.
3: That's really interesting. interesting. It is very,
0: interesting. Very
2: disciplined, though. Um, I refined very um, some credit card debt that I had a few years back. And I was like, oh, this is great. I'm consolidating it. I'll get it. And then I made the mistake of starting to use my credit cards again without thinking. I ran into uh, situations where I'm like, oh, like, here we go. I got to put out more money. And then before I know it, like credit card debt's going up and I still owe the the consolidation. The original. And I'm like, oh, this is brutal.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's a trap, right? So when you, when you consolidate debt that you don't see that as freeing up more use of credit cards. Like, you know, we got to put a stop to using credit cards. Chris and I, uh, effectively, and I'm using that variable, stopped using credit cards maybe about five to six years ago. Um, as I was implementing first in our, in our house, we, we committed not to having any forms of debt except for a mortgage. Now we still use a credit card just because it's, uh, the convenience is even superior in some cases to a debit card, but you know, yeah. If there's any balance, it's paid off immediately entirely.
3: We um, were never allowed to carry a balance, ever. Nothing. Your parents wouldn't let you? No, Chris Christopher, this household was never oh. allowed to carry a balance on a credit card, ever. Yeah, it's we were it's never. That, it, he's so tight. He's like, we are never getting hit with interest of any kind, ever. Yeah. So literally, it was like scraping through the couch cushions as a young married couple to pay the, you know, at the time it was like a $26 electric bill for our first little house, which is smaller than most Garages in Morris County, but like that's it. There was like no, I mean, we always use the credit card as, like you said, Mike, a means of making payments, but there was never to carry I, a balance I, on there.
0: I wish I wish I was doing that from day one because I, I racked up so much credit card debt. And I remember bills coming in and not wanting to open them because I knew it was in it. And it's I just didn't want to face it. And it was devastating and the stress it causes having debt. Oh my God. But it's not, it's not easy to get out. It requires to That That
3: discipline, discipline. yeah. But there are so few options for so many people. And I'm thinking of these college kids. Like you said, Jeremy, they're just going in and they sign up. Even as Will was signing up for his student loan debt, and I was looking at Chris Cross. I'd like, why are you letting him do this? You're so smart with money. He's like, oh, this is his dream. I don't want him to not have his dream. And I'm just like, he has no concept of what this debt means. He has no, he's an no 18 year old kid. He has oh. no idea what this translates to for his future. He doesn't know that this means he stays. My outdoor mountain man has to stay in a, a crap apartment in Boston for 10 years, working for big pharma that he doesn't want to, because he's not going to have the money to go get a car and pay, you know, auto insurance to get to a job somewhere in the suburbs where he's closer to the mountains. He's not going to have that. He's going to have to oh, stay in a city. He's a girlfriend who's a mountain woman. That's yeah. what he's going to have to do. He's going to have to find a sugar mama. That's basically what it comes <laughs> down sugar to. Sugar yeah.
2: Living in Boston? Woo! Yeah, that's... <laughs> Yeah, That's not I
3: just mean, it just, t- it takes away, um, it takes away so many, um, pat avenues. And I love that, that this book, Adam wrote this, this book that it, for me, I think like this is incredibly helpful for people. I think helpful so. and hopeful.
0: Yeah. It's a way to get out of debt. And then I think the, the learning is do everything to not get into debt in the first yeah. place. Yeah. All right. Sloan, you got a game for us again?
2: Yeah, we got another game. This you're
0: one. You're the is- game master. You really are. <laughs> it's oh, true. talk about game master. A friend of mine created a company, it's a real company that exists. Um, and he came to us and he goes, he wanted to make a gaming company. And this was maybe 10 or 15 years ago, um, just when smartphones and stuff, there was making technology. So we wanted to make it for those phones. I'm like, that is really smart. You're, you're tying the market well. And he goes, I wanted, he goes, what do you guys think about this <laughs> company name? He called it game monger. I say it quickly, game monger. Okay. Yeah, yeah. When you, right? you just called me a
2: gay master, like uh...
0: yeah, he's like, I'm like, you sure? He's like, it's game monger. I'm like, it sounds like you're saying gay monger. That like, like, but I didn't again. because I said game monger. Yeah. I'm like, you just said it. <laughs> and uh, he was he was pissed. He's like, no, that's the name. It's perfect. I'm like, I'm just telling you. Nothing wrong with that. Right. But they can be interpreted differently, differently and maybe you're not going to
3: yeah, have the to your community well. Right?
0: He's right. like, "Not we're gay mongers all the way." I'm
3: like, <laughs> it keeps coming out. That's
0: yeah, funny. I'm like, I'm hearing something that's different than you're saying. So, true story. <sighs> uh, true story. Did he ever do it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you oh. can go look him up. It's uh, spelled G A Y M O N. No, it's G A M E monger, game monger, okay.
3: game monger. Gotcha. Gotcha.
2: All right. Today's quiz student loan debt. Since we talked about it, we got a student loan debt quiz. Yep. Lay it on me. All right. So what is the most expensive state on average for tuition of four year college or university? Is it Rhode Island, Connecticut, New York, or Massachusetts?
0: I have an answer and I have a reason. Okay.
2: Okay. Good. Uh, What percentage of students will graduate college with student loan debt? Uh, A, 66%, B, 54%, C, 45%, or D, 39%.
3: I can't believe the best, the highest answer I can give is 66%.
0: You mean grateful to only say 66%, but you know, I'm sad that the lowest is 30 something. I mean, the fact that anyone is graduating with debt, oh, it's a
3: yeah. yeah, I am grateful that it's only 66% because I would have sworn it would be higher. I, I don't know what the answer is. So I'm just saying.
2: And then here's a math one. With an 8% interest rate and a $50,000 student loan, <laughs> what is your roughly monthly payment? Is it A, 400, B, 500, or C,
0: 600? What was it? Give the numbers up front again. It was what? It was...
2: Eight uh, percent interest rate with a fifty thousand dollars balance.
0: What's the monthly payment?
2: Yeah, is
3: that probably. what you're asking?
2: Yes.
0: Just on interest.
2: No, no, right. no, no. Your to- your total monthly payment. Inter- interest and in principal.
0: Okay, total monthly. If you're paying the minimum, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And what were the numbers again?
2: Uh, four hundred, five hundred, or six hundred.
0: Um. We don't know the length of the loan. So that, that's the variable. The, like, the term is it a 10-year, five-year or infinite. Well, this is um, so, a
2: student loan. So that you got to be a college student here. It's infinite. It never ends.
0: Never ends. Okay. So the loan will be there forever. So it's, I'm trying to figure out for now. Interest every year, divided by 12, 300. Yeah. Okay.
2: Okay. Okay. I think I got it. So, most expensive state on average for tuition in a four-year college or university. What do you got?
0: Massachusetts. Massachusetts. And I'll tell you why I said Massachusetts. I'm not saying it is, but I think of Harvard being there and if you go to Harvard, I think it's like 80,000 a sem- a year or something ridiculous. So No,
3: it has to be higher because Northeastern is 80,000 a year.
0: Oh my god, it's unbelievable. So you're walking out so much debt. And Massachusetts has all those
3: schools. MIT. Oh. oh! It's all there. Oh! And I'm only saying it because my son Austin goes to school college. in oh, Massachusetts. Oh. And so I'm like, it has to be Bentley. Oh yeah.
0: Okay. But another you, one to be, uh, but it's the Berkeley. Adver- Ber- not Berkeley, Berkeley.
3: In- well, Berkeley's the music thing. And it's a college I thought for was in, uh, in California. Ber- there is a Berkeley in California, but there's the Berkeley music. Um, it's like New York's, um, and now I'm not going to be able to think of the name. It's their big music hall okay. school kind of thing. Go ahead, Jerry. Sorry. Right, I'm
0: sorry, Jeremy. We we, uh,
3: we we totally went on a tangent.
0: No, no, no.
2: <laughs> um, you're thinking of Juilliard, right?
3: Yes, I was comparing Berklee School of Music in Boston to Juilliard in New York. That's what I was doing.
2: Um. So it's the average, and it's for in-state tuition. So I don't know how the Ivy Leagues factor into that. Oh, uh, okay. Highest state is actually Rhode Island. Uh, really, average in-state tuition is thirty-three thousand
0: for the six people that live there.
3: Yeah. For state tuition that is high. Holy, you know, because it's such a
0: small state, they, their populace is so tiny. I bet yeah, you, it's true. They have to. Everyone's got to buck up. Yeah, okay. Brian, and the only school they have is Brown, which is a private institution. Oh, I guess Good they have luck. URI University of Rhode Island, right? Mm,
3: yeah, URI isn't that a big party school? I think it's a very big party school.
0: Did you go there? No. There was a big party school. Wherever you went, <laughs> where the party went. Amy was known for the liquor makes
3: <laughs> you sicker.
0: Where's UTI? Where's UTI? Where's that at? Or
2: That's in
3: my bladder.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> 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 I went to university. <laughs>
3: university. Of...
2: Um, okay. Number two. What percentage of students will graduate college with student loan debt?
3: I'm saying 66%.
0: I said 66. And I pray to God that's not
3: true.
2: It is two, roughly two thirds will graduate with at least 15,000 of student loan debt.
3: I thought it was going to be 80 something. I really did. I thought it was going to be up there in the 80s. Yeah.
0: You know, it's funny. So we, uh, our one son, actually all our kids have taken classes at a community college but our one son went for a semester there. He was in. A, we went to Susquehanna. Rip off. So expensive. Then he went to County College and he went to Montclair State. So, So we have an in-state experience, a county experience, and a private experience with him. The educational quality between the three schools, no difference. Really? From my perspective, no difference. Mm. Um, The experience at Montclair as a uh, kind of a collegial experience was superior. By that time, he didn't want to be on campus anymore, so he commuted, but it was a superior collegial experience.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, But what I thought was surprising was the county college— it ain't free. I got for my, whatever is in my head. I'm like, Oh, it's free or some kind of administrative fee. It was 7,000 bucks a semester. Mm. So you're still racking up.
3: Yeah. Lots debt, of money. Yep. You know, Yeah.
0: but the, the education there, great professors, great education. It was no different, no worse, no better yeah. than any other university that you went to. The County college
2: where I live, uh, I, I took classes there and it, um, actually was, it's ranked, like it was like one of the best County colleges. Like they, the, my professors were phenomenal. And then I went to Rowan and I had some really great professors there and I had some really not great ones. Um, but then they bought out that the county college. So now they, they own that as well.
0: Oh, that's how they're expanding. Huh. Suck in the county. Interesting. You know, in, uh, in other parts of uh, the U.S. They call them JUCOs, junior colleges. Oh. J-U-C-O, JUCO.
3: I hadn't heard that term before.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, because right, in here we call them county college. County college, yeah. Other ones call them junior colleges or two year universities.
3: Yeah, interesting.
2: All right. Question three: With an eight percent interest rate and a fifty thousand dollars student loan, what is the monthly payment?
0: It's, it's about five hundred is what I figured, because there's got to be some kind of principal being paid. I'm thinking the minimal, so I assume five hundred a month.
3: I'm assuming five hundred too. It's
0: six six hundred. Oh, oh, jeez. I like how you oh. said five hundred two. Like how you went two dollars over mine. <laughs> like the price yeah, is right.
3: The price is right. I'm just so going to outbid. So him. you won on I'm that Just going to outbid him. <laughs> the actual price is
0: six hundred. Whoever voted five hundred two, you're coming up on stage. <laughs> uh, I, I gave you guys a big hint too
2: because I said my student loans were around fifty two to fifty five, and uh, with a six point eight percent interest rate, and I was paying five hundred a month.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I, that's, I, I actually did remember you saying that. that. I didn't remember the six point eight part. That's Dang why. It. I was like, oh, Dang that was it! Dang to Jeremy's. Yeah i got yeah. one right and you got one right i got one right okay okay that's it
2: uh, does that mean we gotta have a tiebreaker yeah is there do you have one no what? Yeah, we're gonna right. box
3: in the office
0: oh that's
2: it and whoever that.
3: punches the other one. Oh, we have we bought
0: the, the rock'em sock'em uh robots robots that you push with the buttons but the manual one <laughs> like the old school one not the old school video game not a video game what do you have a break uh tiebreaker though
2: no, I was gonna make a joke. I was just gonna say, What's your favorite school? That's a tiebreaker. Um, <laughs> yeah, nothing.
0: University of Rhode Island. <laughs> yeah, <you bet. laughs> All right, uh, I think we're done. Uh, I want to invite you to subscribe right now if you haven't yet. To also go to mike'syoutube.com, check out YouTube channel that Jeremy has assembled for us and what I'm doing there. And uh, just wishing you good times.
3: Wishing you, wishing good, you good times. times. Bye.